Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Welcome to Upfront with Dimitar Berbatov and me, Sam Matterface. This is the show that takes you into the world of the number nine as we find out exactly what it takes to be a top flight striker. A lovely ball from O'Shea into Nani. Nani towards the back post. Berbatov! What a finish by the Bulgarian! A scissor kick from a delightful cross! We'll discuss the career-defining goals, those huge moves, the sacrifices that they had to make and how selfish a striker really needs to be. Spurs in the mood here. You're listening to Upfront with Dimitar Berbatov. Goal scorers come in all shapes and sizes, but there's not that many like my guest today. Enigmatic, charming, intelligent, charismatic, elegant, graceful, technical, a goal scorer in Bulgaria, in France, in Germany, and of course in the Premier League with Spurs, Manchester United and Fulham. With 665 career appearances and 281 goals. There's only one Dimitar Berbatov. Hello. (laughs) That's quite an introduction. Hello. (laughs) I I came up with a few words there to describe you. But what sort of centre forward do you think you were? Back in the day that I was not the typical centre forward. Because if people were paying attention... And if you get a look at some of my goals and the way I used to play, I always like to drop back, get the ball, pass it to my teammates when they're in a better position than me. You know, getting the joy of the game as as whole, not only setting it at the top and do a tapping and try to score a goal. Because there's so much more to the game of football for a striker than to sit on top of the, of the attack and just wait for the ball to come. And good to see that uh, more and more strikers are doing this and some teams obviously... Now football is different and some teams are playing with this kind of strikers more and more and probably the typical number nine back in the days is is long gone now. Do you think then that you were a trailblazer in a way? You were the first of this new kind, the likes of, I don't know, Firmino, who does exactly that, drops deep, links the play and is a big part of the team shape rather than just the goal getter. Exactly. Uh, Firmino is doing exactly that what I'd like and love to see. He's dropping, he's linking, he's holding the ball. He's scoring goals, he's making assists. His overall play for the team is, is unbelievable. And this, for me, is a modern uh, modern football player, a striker. He can do 
all these aspects of the game. And when I used to do it back then, I remember some of my coaches or my teammates were like, Berba, don't come back, just stay up. But, you know, sometimes they don't understand that uh, in a game of football, sometimes for you to feel alive, you need to drop back, touch the ball, maybe once. Just a quick touch, then one more and then one more so you can get into the game. And sometimes strikers can do what the midfield players also can do. And the other way around, the midfield can go up, they can switch places. And so midfield can go and score and the attacker can be the provider for them. And this is not something that it should be strange and it's not strange anymore. But back then I remember people saying to me, Berba, go up there, don't come back. But, you know, I was just seeing the game a bit more differently. Did you love scoring goals, though? Uh, Apart from all of that, did you love the feeling of putting the ball in the net? Well, of course I did. That's why I was called a striker. But to be completely honest, and I think I said before, if I made an assist, which I knew was pretty much special one, then I was I was feeling much better than the scoring a goal. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. Just I was thinking to myself, I will do the hard part. Is it a pass through the defenders or going past one or two players and give the pass to, to someone to score? I will do the difficult part. Then here we go. Then you score. Oh, it's a lovely ball. Slide raw ball through to Berbatov. Can he keep it in? Oh, magnificent skill from Berbatov. Ronaldo! Oh, dear. That is absolutely world-class. Dimitar Berbatov made it with some extraordinary skill. You were an R, quite a tall guy, but you were not big and physical. What advantages did that give you, that you were tall but slight and sort of graceful? Well, people and football players in general, when we play other teams, they were underestimating me because uh, I was not big, like muscle big. But when they tried to get the ball from me, it was completely completely different story because from early age back home I used to go with my dad when he was a football player to his teams so now we are talking around 94 93 you know back then like 25 years back in the time and even more 30 years back down the line and imagine the football back then in Bulgaria so you have these big players who are playing probably part-time football and then go work in the mines or in the fabrics so they are big guys so I play with them. And when they hit you, you don't complain. Otherwise, you get smacked in the face. You, you, just, you just get up, you get used to it, and you continue. So when I grow up, that was my advantage because, honestly, I didn't feel any pressure competing with big players than, than me, muscle players, because I knew how to defend the ball and how to stand on the pitch. You're now a, a Betfair ambassador, so you're still involved in football in that way. But how much do you miss the day-to-day contact of the football environment? A lot. This is, as I said before, many times, this is the hard part when that moment comes for a football player or any sportsman to stop playing or doing what he loves. And then you start watching on the TV, uh, you start missing the time that, uh, that you used to play. And it's the same with me, of course. But I have a chance to go with close friends to play five aside or six aside from time to time. So you get that contact one more time of, you know, pushing and playing football and, you know, <laughs> swearing at each other if you need to just feel a bit alive as well. Can we just warm you up with a couple of really quick fire questions just to get a sense of who Dimitar Berbatov is? Immediately when I say this, just give me the answer that comes to your mind. What's your favourite goal? <laughs> Well, I hate that question, honestly. Do you? Uh, 
Yeah, because I mean, did that when you asked other strikers, did they tell you one goal? Um, some said, yeah. Some some would go immediately. They'd have a goal that that completely came straight to the front of their mind that meant so much to them. And then some okay. would say, well, actually, they all mean the same, so I don't care. They all mean the same. They're right. But if then if I need to give one, I'll say the bicycle kick against Liverpool. Beyond Rooney, it's Berbatov. It's brilliant. Who's your favourite strike partner? Uh, how is that fair to my other strike partners? I mean, in Leverkusen, I had a great partner by the name of Franza. He was Brazilian. Mm. So we scored 20 goals each. So he helped me to get better. Then I go to Spurs. I play with Robbie Keane. We help each other to become better. We score goals. Then I go to Man U. I play with uh, Rooney and Ronaldo. And then I was living my dream. So each and everyone uh, brought something to my game. And it's, and it's different. Who was your childhood hero? Shearer and Van Basten. So growing up in Bulgaria, you would be worshipping Shearer and Marco Van Basten. I suppose Marco Van Basten was playing at AC Milan at the time. Yes, he was. But a funny story is, yes, you're right, back then in Bulgaria, uh, different times. But uh, Van Basten, I get in love because he scored that goal in 88 in the final against Russia. Well, it's up there with him. He's swept it wide here for Muren, played a lovely early ball in towards Van Basten. Oh! Tremendous goal by the Dutch striker, Marco van Basten. Everybody remember that goal mm-hmm. with the volley. And Shearer, I don't know, it's probably a coincidence or a fate. We have a, some kind of a pirate TV. And then one day, I think I saw someone smashing goals. They're just showing goals. And the guy was scoring goals and raising his hand. And I'm like, who is this guy? You know, just immediately I fall in love with him. And I start following him as much as I can, obviously. And then Shearer and Van Basten became my motto. Who was your toughest opponent? Which defender was your toughest opponent? Uh, I always say one name. First I play against him, then I play, I play with him, and it was Vidic. Oh, back, Berbatov! Faintest of smiles. Breaks over his famous features. Berbatov! What a brilliantly placed header by the Bulgarian. You started at CSKA Sofia. What was it like growing up in Bulgaria in the 90s? From a perspective of a kid, in my perspective, in my house, it was always like a game. Of course, we have a difficult time back then. We are just getting out of communism and uh, there was a period of time when you need to, to wait hours to buy bread and stuff like this so you can eat. But it was always presented to me and to my and my brother as a game, you know, so we don't uh, think it too much, don't suffer because of this. After a while, when you grow up, then you start to realize how it was, uh, what did you go through and stuff like this. But other than that, it was, you know, kicking around the, the neighborhood all day long with the ball against different boys, you know, thinking about who you're going to become when you grow up, doing all kind of stupid things as boys do when they grow up. And that's it. You came from a sporting family, didn't you? Because your dad was a footballer and your mum played handball. How much of yes. an influence were they in pushing you into a sporting career, do you think? Well, there was no pushing. There was no pushing uh, because my parents were uh, really open just to let us and me choose what I would like to be. Then they were pretty happy, especially my dad, that I was a football player. 
And my parents were, as, as long as you're happy with whatever you do, just go and pursue it and do it. Probably it was in my DNA to follow in the footsteps of my dad because from early age, that's all I did. I go outside, start kicking the ball. When did you know you were going to make a career out of football then? Did it just something that just happened? Or did you think sort of, I don't know, by the time you were 12, 13, yeah, I'm that good, I'm going to end up playing pro football? Of course, you know that you're good because when you go to play in your neighborhood, people are like, well, this is Berber, you know, he can play. And then you have this street credit, you know, which is really important. It was really important for me because then you woke up and you walk around the school, around the neighborhoods, and you feel good because people know that you can play good football. And then, you, of course, you, you grow up, you start to chase your dreams, you start to score a couple of goals, you start to think that you're good enough. And from then on, it's about not letting go of your ambition. Difficult things were ahead, but, you know, when your ambition is bigger than your fear, I think you're going to succeed anyway. In Sofia, you won the Bulgarian Cup, you played in Europe. How important was it at that age, because you were still quite young, weren't you, to get those experiences in the professional game? Yeah, I was 18. Uh, I, I had the chance, because I was doing good in our under-21 team, to be noticed by the head coach of CSKA, which by uh, that point was Dimitar Penev. And he saw me and you know, gave me a chance in the first team. And this is what I need, you know, just a chance. I want to give me that chance. I made my debut for the national team as well. Uh, so it was, it was, I was developing really nicely, honestly, and I was happy about that. And it gave me opportunity to show people what I can do. And I, I was starting to see more and more the big picture. Why did you move to Leverkusen? Uh, well, first of all, I didn't... I, when I was saying to you earlier that uh, I was living in my own world, which is getting bigger and bigger with every steps I take in the world, uh, then I was starting to grow up and my ambition was starting to grow up. But still, I wanted to continue playing for CSKA Sofia. But then, you know, I had some uh, unpleasant uh, experience with a couple of our fans because we lost a couple of games. Uh, I didn't score a couple of goals and I was still young and I was thinking... What, why is happening? What is, what is going on here? I mean, they just want to play football. And then at the same time, Leverkusen was scouting me. So when they come with the offer, I was a bit surprised. But then sitting and thinking about, do I need to stay here or try to achieve my dream and developing and be a bigger player? Probably it was, it was not easy to choose that, to leave my country and my family and everyone. But at that time, it was necessary. And this was probably the best decision I did in my life. You went over to the Bundesliga. You made your debut in 2001. Bertie Vokes, I think, was the manager in those early yeah. days. Yeah. Uh, you made your breakthrough, though, really, the following season, the 2001-2002 season. You scored against Liverpool in the Champions League. Is that when things, the attention, et cetera, et cetera, started to go through the roof for you? Well, I did have uh, a difficult time a bit in Leverkusen because I was coming from Bulgaria different language, different people. And I was playing for the second team, which gave me that feeling of insecurity because I was like telling to myself, well, I, I came here to play for the first team. Why am I playing for the second team? Things coming through my mind, through my young mind, thinking that I deserve something, but nobody owes me anything. So you need to fight for it. So I was thinking about all these things in my mind, just challenging myself to say, well, what are I doing here? You know, when you're in a, in a difficult position, you try to sabotage yourself. 
and I was even thinking to going back home. But then when you have good people around you, when you have uh, good teammates around you, uh, when you have the right uh, agent to tell you, listen, you're the right place, just work, be patient, and your time will come. And I was just one day sitting at home realizing, Berbs, do you know that you are the right place for Lucky? So just learn from all this so you can become better. And it was a very good team. This is a team that got to the Champions League final that year. And you came off the bench against Madrid after, what, 38 minutes, something like that, in that, yeah, in that I, final? Yeah, I think, I think we surprised everyone. And now a small team will go to face Real Madrid in the, in the Champions League final, which in the end didn't finish well for us because Zidane probably scored the best goal ever in the Champions League finals. <laughs> good ball for Roberto Carlos. Hooked into the penalty area towards Zidane! Oh! What the journey was. In the end, it it, it ends painful for us, but what a journey it was. Fast forward then, and eventually you do get the opportunity to come to England and the Premier League. Did you have a choice, or was it just Tottenham Hotspur that were trying to prize you to England? Well, it was uh, Spurs who were the team that was more consistent, the team that was uh, chasing after me with uh, intent. I was like, wait a minute, Spurs want me? Why not Barcelona, Real Madrid and Manchester United want me? Thinking all these stupid questions because I was thinking that I was doing so well that the big team must come after me. But my agent was like, well, slow down a little bit, step by step. The other thing will come. And and, and I'm just telling you this because people, when you're young, you think you know everything. You think that you have all the answers to all the questions, but you have nothing. So, you know, when Spurs came, I didn't know much about them. And I was then start to to check them out, see, of course, who is playing on my position, the overall team, the coaches and everything. And as much as I was checking them, I was thinking that, again, my intuition will start to work and say, perhaps now is the right time. Difficult, but we need to challenge ourselves. And in the end, their persistency was, was a big factor in me. And of course, meeting Martinio was the moment I knew that I need to go there. So I suppose because you were expecting, not necessarily bigger things, but you were expecting the likes of Real Madrid, Barcelona, that sort of attention, going to Spurs, you didn't worry about the, the, the price tag being the most expensive Bulgarian ever at the time that you moved to, to White Hart Lane. None of that sort of weighed on your shoulders because you obviously felt you had the confidence that I'm Dimitar Berbatov, this is going to go well for me. Well, I did have the confidence because with us, striker. It's always the same thing. When you score, when you play good, your confidence is sky high. And then you're not bothered about anything. When it's the other way around, then you start to think more about things. But at that point, I was scoring goals. My confidence, of course, was high, as any striker will tell you. And then I didn't think about the, th- the things you mentioned, the, the, the price tag and all, all things like this, because I was just enjoying myself. But when you grow up again, and learn more about the world, how it works, now you start to ask more questions. But at that point, I was like, just trying to accept the challenge and put my mind to know that now it's, again, different country, different football, different people, everything is different, and I need to adjust and to fit in that environment if I wanted to succeed. Did you enjoy your time with Spurs? Oh, man. As I told you, the first time I go to see Martino in his office... And he's sitting in that chair like the godfather. 
you know, and he's like, Berba, welcome, my boy, you know. <laughs> and then I'm telling to myself, this is the right place, purely because sometimes you just feel the connection with someone. I don't know how to explain it. Secondly, because uh, Martin looked like my late granddad, which I love to death. And I'm like thinking to myself, I think we're going to have something here. And in the end, it did, because I have unbelievable time. And Spurs gave me the chance to show what they can do in England. Yes, I did need one month or something like that to, to get used to the rhythm of the Premier League, to the physicality of O and the speed. And after that, you know, I think I was, uh, my time was unbelievable. You won the League Cup at Spurs, uh, scoring in the final. What are your memories of that day? Well, I'll never forget that because we were building towards something like this. We were building towards winning something, a cup, a medal, something. Because the hard truth is that you want something like that in your cabinet. Then you look back and you say, I want this and that. And with Spurs, we end up in the final against Chelsea. And of course, we are the underdog. In Chelsea, you have Balak, Drogba, Lampard, Terry, you know, all these big name players. And of course, they're the favorite and they took the lead. But we didn't give up because we knew that we can do something. And we did. And we did. And when I need to, when they give the penalty, the ref for us, and I take the ball and I step up and 86,000, you know, in the stadium and just the fans are just behind Petr Cech and I'm stepping to take a penalty. Man, again, as I told you about strikers, when you score and play good, you're king of the world. And at that point, my season was going so so well that I was so sure I'm going to score. I was so sure. My dad was watching in the stands and he told me after that, well, I didn't watch that because I was going to get a heart attack if you miss it. <laughs> so he, he turned around and he didn't watch me score. But I was so calm, honestly, because I was playing so good in that season and give me the power of, of my mind to stay relaxed and to tell myself, don't overthink it. Just stick to the way you play and you, and you put penalties away and you'll be fine. You know? And the moment I saw Petr Cech going to one direction with the knee, Bent his knee, then I put it in the other way, and it was 1 1. And then Jonathan Woodgate scored that 2 1, and we go crazy. I mean, after the final whistle, I remember how everybody was so, so happy. It was unbelievable. Tottenham Hotspur have won their first major trophy for nine years. Still to come on up front with Dimitar Berbatov. He tells us how he felt when Sir Alex Ferguson left him out of the Champions League final squad to face Barcelona. It was just before the game and he called me and said, Berps is killing me, but I need to leave you out of the team. You're listening to Upfront with Dimitar Berbatov on TalkSport. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. <laughs> Tries his luck, his luck might be in, it's Bevatar! A glimpse of why they paid all that money. Bevatar! How to make supporters fall in love. A striker can be seen as a headline hogger, the spearhead, the focal point, the alpha male. Was was that you? Did you feel the pressure to be that? No, I was being me. I had my own way of doing things. I have my own way of seeing and playing football. Uh, and I was lucky enough that it doesn't matter where I went, nobody from my coaches told me to change anything. Uh, and that's why I stick to how I saw football, how football should be played. And in the end... Probably that's why I score the goals I used to score. I tend to think that most of my goals were something special in them, not just a simple tap-in, which, of course, sometimes a simple tap-in can cost more than a bicycle kick, for example. But always my goal is to entertain, but with the end result, so they can produce a result in the end. And that's why I always try to to come with things that uh, were a bit innovative. Of course, I didn't succeed every time but at least I try. The Manchester United move was long touted for you wasn't it? Were you getting frustrated that it was taking so long to go through because negotiations were seemingly all out in the open it wasn't as if Manchester United made any secret of wanting you to go there did that cause you issues? Did you find that sort of hard time? Well you play well you do well of course then big teams are coming after you it's normal but now your head is not at the right place anymore. Uh, you start thinking about different things. You start thinking and asking questions, is it the right time? Is it the right moment now, again, to get out of my comfort zone and to challenge myself one more time? If I don't go, am I going to miss my chance in my development? So when that interest come and my agent told me about it, of course, my, my only goal from growing up in Bulgaria and getting up the ladder in my, uh, in my career was to reach one of the best teams in the world. So when one of the best teams in the world come for me, as much as it was painful for me, I knew that you know, I need to make that final step and reach my top, you know, my peak. And in the end, I did it. 
Were you annoyed with Daniel Levy that it took so long to go through? Uh, not annoyed because if I was in his position, I would do the same. And I see it happening over and over again with transferring football now, especially in England, of course, last minute transfer because people want to do well for their clubs, get as much money as possible. But when that thing is happening, everyone who is in position of a player is going to go through difficult moments, overthinking stuff. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? He's going to get angry. He's going to get sad. He's going to get depressed, which, of course, is not good feelings. But it is what it is. You're going to go through them in the end. Straight away, you got the number nine shirt of Manchester United. You created a goal for Carlos Tevez against Liverpool, I think, on your debut. Did you feel, though, that you, you hit the ground running at Manchester United? Uh, not as I wanted it to be, because uh, if I can change probably one thing in myself, if I need to do it over again, probably I will be a bit more open uh, with everything, with, uh, with uh, the way when you integrate into the dressing room, uh, uh, doing uh, the you know the socializing the the things with uh, with everybody because I'm a bit more shy, a bit more close to people you know, uh, and that's why probably one thing I was gonna change is is this one. Uh, but you know that first game against Liverpool, again difficult game and they beat us in the end. But it did give me a bit of satisfaction starting in a way that I get that assist uh, to Carlos Tevez. And, you know, coming to realization that now I was in the top, in my top, in my view, in my top that uh, I reached it. And I need to, you know, become even better, work and, and learn from my, all the champions that were in that team. And it took me a while, of course, to get used to it. Now I was more, I was growing up even more. So now I come to realization that they pay a lot of money for me. And now your question before, when you start thinking about things like this, that can affect your game, you know? So I was thinking from time to time, well, they pay a lot of money for me. I need to produce. I need to take the ball from, from the goalkeeper and go and score to the other net, which, of course, is a negative thinking. It can affect your game in a, in a, in a painful way, which, of course, it did for me uh, in, in, in some games. So nobody, nobody should think like that, especially now when this amount of money given for players, you know, but sometimes it can affect your performances. It wasn't always perfect, as you say. How did you deal with the criticism that you got when you were there? Uh, well, sometimes you can deal with it, sometimes you cannot. Uh, we're all human beings. You cannot hide from this kind of criticism. Uh, you just try to see which one is uh, constructive. You can put it in your game, uh, you can learn from it, and then continue to become better. Of course, you have the other one, where people just criticize for the sake of it, you know, which is never a good thing. But you are not shielded from neither of them. You can always hear things like this. And you need to have good people around you. As I said before, family, friends, your teammates, your coach, your agent. Of course, yourself, first and foremost, to, st to stay strong because every player goes through a difficult time. Can I ask you if it was intimidating going into that Manchester United dressing room when you did? <laughs> of course it was. My God. That's why I said I would like, if I change something, to be a bit more open, a bit more not so shy, not so scared, if you want, at moments to, to ask something, to go and say, Gixi, you know, how did you do that? Or, 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 or Gas, you know, how, how, how did you stop it? Uh, you know, how, how do you do that? How do you give that pass to, 
straight to the leg of, of, of this uh, of the player. You know, but you sometimes in the beginning, especially for me, it was a bit intimidating because these guys, I mean, so many medals, cups, Champions League winners, and you sit and you're thinking you're, you're enjoying yourself. You're like, well, I've, I've made it. I'm here. But at the same time, you feel a bit, what am I got? What do I say? You know what I mean? Like mm. in, in the presence of big players. And uh, in the end, of course, mm, I had a great relationship with everybody. But I, I, I wish to be more open about straight from the beginning. Uh, more, for example, like Anderson, who was Anderson, was like going high-fiving people around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I didn't, I don't regret anything. But it was intimidating. And of course, you need to be strong for yourself in a way that when so many winners, if someone's challenge you verbally or in a training session, bullying you, stuff like this, you need to stand up for yourself. You know, otherwise they're going to crush you. That's what people in, the, in winning teams are doing because you need to stay strong. Your best season in the Manchester United shirt was the 2010-2011 campaign. 20 Premier League goals, 32 games. <laughs> I think in particular, we should focus on that match, that hat-trick against Liverpool. Was that your best day in United Red? In a way, you can say it was. In other words, you can say that uh, this is the day when probably some play, uh, some uh, people who didn't appreciate how I was seeing football and how I was playing football, I think they uh, in that day they, they did appreciate me and said, oh, well, you know, maybe he's right about something. You know, because I did score a hat-trick, of course, with the help of my teammates and everybody. It was a great performance. But I did it, again, the way I see football. You know, uh, especially the, the second goal, which was something that I will never forget because that's how I play football all my life. And that's why I mentioned before that I always try to do something something special in the game. Is it a pass, a simple pass, or a goal that looks difficult to, to do? And this was that moment where, because your body is used to movement like this and when you're in a difficult situation and you need to figure something out how to react it, because it's like a habit to your body and it locks that habit in that special moment and you're free and you know what to do in that two seconds movement Beyond Rooney, it's, it's brilliant! I never practice that I never think that I can do it in that game but because I've done so much similar stuff in different games, my body was adapting to this kind of football. And then I was, you know, able to, to score that, that beautiful goal. And in that day, I was so happy after the game because I was, again, telling to myself, you know, this is something that we've been working for. And to do it against Liverpool, against our rival, I mean, it made it even more special for everybody connected with the club. And straight after that as well, you got five against Blackburn Rovers, or very shortly after that, you got five against Blackburn Rovers. I hope you had yourself in the, your fantasy football team that day. Uh, was that another day where everything just clicked? Uh, well, it did click, but, you know, uh, that's why uh, I don't sometimes understand people when they talk about football or people who think they understand football when they speak. Because I had some period, I didn't score some goals before I scored the five goals. And again, people were like, hey, he didn't score and stuff like this. And then uh, Sir Alex is coming to me and say, you're starting tomorrow. 
don't worry about it just go out and play and this give you confidence you know what i mean this give you even more confidence and assurance and it's like well as long as the boss trusts me what I, what do i need and then in that particular game with blackburn i mean everything was clicking for me i i think if i was going to kick it from from our goal it was going to probably end in the other one. i was so confident again and and everything was just the the ball was landing on my feet i was trying to make uh make plays so for some player other player to score but the ball was just coming back to me <laughs> you know and i was just uh, in the end scoring five goals and i was like thinking after the five oh my god what 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 is happening and then i had the chance to score a 6-1 but you know the goalkeeper saved it and if i did then probably i'll be the only one with six goals that's probably my regret after the game I can't believe you ended that game with a regret. That's that, that's remarkable in itself. Um, <laughs> well, when you get more, when you get, you know how it is in life. We're all greedy in a way. So when you get more, you want more and more. Um, Champions League final that season, another one for you and another one for Manchester United. But you were up against some team that day, weren't you? Honestly, I think Barca was at their peak mm. at, their, at that moment. I don't think anyone probably uh, was able to beat them because they were so good i mean even if you even if you score first even you if you equalize as we did against them they still you can see by the way they move the ball around they still were so confident that they can beat you it was scary you know you can feel that vibration going from them pass 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 put you to sleep and then all of a sudden boof messi on the run or a pass or something like that and they score and you're like, what the? How, how did that happen? And of course, we did uh, everything we, we could to 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 beat them, but it, it wasn't possible. And the painful thing was that it was the second time that, that they beat us. That was the painful thing. What was it like not to be in the squad for that game? Well, it was probably more painful. Uh, but as I said, uh, even if I was, I don't think probably I would make a difference. But if you ask my dad. He's going to say, yeah, yeah, you're going to score three goals and then you're going to win. But it wasn't a, a, a good experience overall for everyone, for everyone. Probably not good for the one who didn't get involved in, into the game. And, you know, nothing you can change about it. It is what it is. How did Sir Alex handle that? He just you know, called you to his office before the game and uh, tell you that you're not going to be in the, in the team, especially with me. It was just before the game and, uh, you know, he, he called me and said, Berps is killing me, but, you know, I need to leave you out of the team. So it was it was like that. And it was uh, it was painful to hear that because I was the goal scorer of the team and of, of, of the Premier League. And I was surprised by it because I felt so confident, as I told you many times, that if I can shoot it for someone, I, I, I think it's going to go in. So that was the surprise for me, but in the end, you know, it was it was like that. What was your feeling after that? Were you angry? Did you think that's it? I'm leaving? Did you think oh, I can't do this anymore? Um, did you understand it? Was it? Did you think? Oh, I understand it. It's Barcelona. They're the best, and, and it's tactical. How did you? How did you feel about it? Well, you go through different sensations and feelings of angriness, disappointment. Uh, of sadness, of uh, of, uh, that, of of that feeling that you want to do something but you can't, you just freeze. After time pass, 
of course, you start to realize and you try to understand because it's not only you. It's other three or four players who are the same position as you. Uh, it happens before to other players and it's going to happen again. Uh, if I'm the manager, I'll probably need to do the same thing to someone. And in the future, if I'm the manager, I'm going to do the same thing to someone. Uh, and you try to, to understand it in a way uh, because you know nothing's going to change. The only thing that it was like uh, trying to look for a way to, to say that it wasn't the right thing is because, you know, I was the goal scorer of the team in the Premier League. And then after a while, you see that Sir Alex said that it was a mistake to leave me to leave me uh, outside of the team, as it was a mistake to leave Jisun Park on the, the other final, 2008, outside the team, also uh, a mistake. You know, that then you realize, well, you know, it's better later than ever to, to realize something like that. Diara, Sidwell, finds Dimitar Bermatov. Bermatov, 3-2 to Fulham. Who else but Dimitar Berbatov? After Manchester United, you came back to London, you went to Fulham. What was it like going from a team that was set up to win everything to a team like Fulham that were fighting? Well, the reason is that now I was 31 or something like that, 30, coming to 32, and I wanted to play football because I didn't play regularly in my last season. So now I wanted to fall, not fall in love with football, but just to find that uh, consistency of playing uh, football to do what I love. For me, that's the most important part. Yes, there, were, uh, there was a chance for me to go to, to Italy to play there, but different factors prevail over my decision because I wanted to, as I say many times, strikers, we are a bit different sometimes. We need to know that we feel special in the team, mm. you know, to, to, to have attention that then we can play uh, even better. And the moment Martignol gave me a call, and again, I hear that voice. Berba, <laughs> I want you to play for me. You know, and I had the feeling that I'm falling in love in football again. You know, what was it about him that um, made know, him so infectious? Know. Was it just his personality? Was it the way he coached you? Was it the fact that he gave you a different role or didn't expect uh, as much? Or did you just understand each other? Uh, probably all of the above. But the main reason that I knew that the team is going to start with me. It doesn't matter what. I knew that the team is going to start with me and that gave me more, even more confidence, but also gave me responsibility. You scored goals in that first season, naturally. Uh, you also revealed a very special shirt on Boxing Day when you scored. You pulled your, your, your Fulham shirt up and underneath it, it said, keep calm and pass me the ball. Why, why did you do that? I was in the toilet before the game and you know when you go to the toilet... You're whistling around, you're doing your business. And then all of a sudden, I have this great idea. You know, why I don't that? Because this slogan was popular back then, you know, keep calm. And I was, you know, thinking about the game, visualizing it, how I'm going to score, uh, how I'm going to play the game, what I'm going to do. And all of a sudden, why not just put something on my shirt? And two minutes later, I was writing something on my shirt in the toilet, not telling anyone. And then going out there and scoring, they have the chance to score. And while I was scoring, I was thinking, oh, 
that's an interesting coincidence. And then I put the shelf and I'm like, just wanted to have some fun. Just wanted to have some fun because I see many, many players when they, when you give them the ball, they just don't know what to do and just try to puff in and, uh, you know, just stay calm, relax, play simple. What advice would you give to a young striker who's just making their way at a top team? Uh, be patient, be patient. Nobody owes you anything. You just need to earn it. Uh, work hard, work hard for sure. And even if someone is before you in a way that they're picking them before you to play football, still, you know, stay patient and work hard. Uh, and never forget that someone is always behind you, working harder to take your place. Because this is what football is. It's a competition. You went on to, to Monaco and, and played in India for a while. You, your brief stay in French football, was that sort of better suited to you at, at that sort of age? Were you more appreciated at, at Monaco? Was that sort of that style that you have more um, looked upon as a positive? Hey, listen, I had I had wonderful time in Monaco. Let me tell you. I mean, it was unbelievable. At first, I was hesitated because I wanted to stay in London. My family loves London. I, I love it. I love England and English football. But then it's one of these moments when you need to, again, get out of your comfort zone. And when Monaco came and said, listen, Berba, uh, we need a replacement. Falcao is injured. But six months, we, that's what can give you on that age. And if you're doing well, well, it's easy then to extend the deal. And I said, well, no problem, because I knew that it depends on me, only on me and my two legs. Mm. So I go there. Uh, Ranieri was the coach. And let me tell you, the team they had with young boys, Marcial, James Rodriguez, Carrasco, Fabinho, you know, uh, Carvalho was there as experience, uh, Falcao, Subasic on the go. And then first training session, and I'm like now 33, I think, and they start flying around me. And I'm like, Berbs, what the is going on here? <laughs> you know, uh, uh, you see all this talent and you're like happy, but then you tell yourself, well, it's not yet time to give up. And the first moment, again, I didn't play, so I get angry a little bit. So I go to Ranieri uh, in his office after we lost a game, and I'm like, boss, why am I here? You know, I, I came here to help the team with my goals, experience, to help you. you know, just give me a chance. I, 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 I don't want anything else. Next game, I start from the beginning. Guess what happened? Bam, I go. A penalty, we win. And from that moment on, I was playing every game. And I had I had unbelievable time in Monaco. We extended the deal for one more year, you know, and it was it was I had great, great memories from that place. Finds Dimitar Berbatov, real trouble for Arsenal. Dimitar Berbatov of all people doubles Monaco's lead at the Emirates. Did you um help Manchester United when they were looking at Anthony Martial? Uh, well, to be honest, I did because they called me from uh, from United uh, head scout Jim Lower was calling me, and it's like, Burps, we are looking at that kid from Monaco, Martial. Uh, just wanted to ask you what it is, how would you think? And straight away, man, I, when when you see it, I, that's why I say first training when I go there, second, third, you see a talent. If you know what to look, you're gonna see a talent straight away. A raw talent, but a talent. 
And I told them, this, this, this boy, is, it's unbelievable. You know, if it's in the right environment, the right place, the things he can do. I mean, he can be a great, great player. Just need someone to guide him and, and teach him the right movements on the pitch, where to run, when to run, the right moment to release the ball and stuff like this. And I was so happy to see them that after that they, they bought him. And of course, still waiting for my commission. So we'll see. <laughs> Do you think that um, he's appreciated by as many people as he should be? Do you, or has he still got st- stuff to learn? Oh, of course, he, he's still young. He has stuff to learn. Uh, I don't think people appreciate him as much as he needs to. He's a bit uh, shy as myself, uh, a, a bit uh, in into himself, keep to himself. And maybe people sometimes uh, misread uh, the way he's moving around the pitch because he's not smiling as much as people want to. But for me, this is uh, so much talent is there, so much talent. And I hope he can continue in the right direction and develop. And, uh, you know, the coaches are working with him outside of training session, individual session, how to shoot, where to run, as I said, because these are important small details, but they can make you better. Um, at the end of these interviews, we've been testing our number nines. Uh, we call it the perfect hat trick, and it's uh, just seeing how well you know yourself, really. So three questions for you um, about your career. Are you ready? Oh, my God. Let's see. <laughs> In that breakthrough season of 2001-2002 at Leverkusen, as well as the Champions League runners-up, you were the runners-up in the Bundesliga and the runners-up in the German Cup as well. Who beat you in the German Cup final? Schalke. Correct. Who did you score your first Tottenham goal against? Sheffield United. Keane with another great ball. Lena Berbatov's made a great run in the middle again. It's Berbatov who's off the mark. And it could not have been simpler. Now, I, I will be absolutely astounded if you get this last one. You scored that famous hat-trick against Liverpool, the overhead kick being the centrepiece, the bicycle kick being the centrepiece. But do you know how long it had been since a Manchester United player had scored a hat-trick against Liverpool before you did it? Uh, 63 years, was it? Oh, 64 years. 64. I'm giving you that. I'm giving you that. You were so close to it. You were having it. You've been listening to Upfront with Dimitar Berbatov and me, Sam Matterface. And if you missed any of the show or you just want to catch up and download the podcast, scroll through it again, then go to the TalkSport Game Day feed available on Apple Podcasts, Acast and Spotify. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.